you know, what, what was really obvious to me is that the Islamic governments of the world, the communist governments of the world, and the socialist governments of the world are, are very, very active in this process, not because they have anything against fossil fuels, right? They, they, they know at the highest levels that this has nothing to do with oil or coal. This has to do with rearranging the geopolitical order. What we're watching here is the emergence of what the, these globalists have called for, for well over a decade publicly, the emergence of a multipolar world order where power shifted away from what used to be known as Christendom or the free world, and it's going to be transferred over to Moscow, to Beijing, to Riyadh and Saudi Arabia, right? And so that's what we're watching here. And of course, the emergence of these regional governments, which are playing a, a more and more prominent role in these summits, right? You have the head of the EU will speak, and then the head of the Eurasian Union will speak, and then the head of the African Union will speak as if uh, you know these were legitimate entities. So, uh, so this was very, very clear. It's always such a treat to have our next guest join us on the Empower Hour. Alex Newman is a dedicated husband, father, educator, author, award-winning international journalist, and a sought-after speaker who desires to glorify God in everything he does. He's the founder of Liberty Sentinel and the executive director of Public School Exit, a successful campaign in America that encourages and facilitates parents to pull their children out of the public education system. Alex is a powerful and motivating speaker and writer who encourages men to be warriors and protectors of their families, their faith, and their freedom. And I want to give a plug for his new book, Indoctrinating Our Children to Death, Government Schools, War on Faith, Family, and Freedom, and How to Stop It. And now, will you all please help me welcome Alex Newman to the Empower Hour. Alex, I know that your time is short. You are a busy man. I'm so, so very grateful that you've uh, taken the time to be on the show with us today. And I'm excited about talking about your new book, but I thought we could cover a couple of the other issues. I mean, you went out and participated in COP28. Uh, you're on the cutting edge of all news sources. You're the most well-informed individual I know. So where do you want to begin? Well, you're very kind. Thank you so much, Tanya. I, I so appreciate all that you guys do at Action for Canada. It's a, it's an enormous blessing to be able to share with you guys. So, yeah, I, I did uh, get back recently from the COP28. And uh, there, there's so many different things that we could talk about, but I'll, I'll give you just a, a few of my big takeaways, the things that you're not going to hear from the rest of the, the media, but uh, the things that I believe are the most important things to come out of there. Uh, we can start on the out document uh, as they do every year they came up with a final agreement that all governments adopted by consensus and uh, for the first time ever they agreed that the world was going to transition away from what they call fossil fuels and you know, we, we can save the debate about whether they're fossil fuels for another day uh, the, the point is we're supposed to be moving away from oil gas and coal but what really jumped out at me and and you're not going to like I said you're not going to hear much of this from any of the other media outlets but they are talking about phasing out all these so-called fossil fuels, but it's only applicable in the, in the Western world. Uh, and, and it was so obvious being there, right? We're in a major oil-producing country. We're in the United Arab Emirates. The head of the conference is the head of ADNOC, the Abu Dhabi National Oil Corporation. They're massive state-owned oil conglomerate. And they got caught during the COP28, and my guess is you probably didn't hear much about this in Canada, but the, the government that was organizing the summit that held the presidency of the COP28 got caught 
secret documents, even in the BBC, I was amazed that the BBC talked about this. They were making oil deals with the communist Chinese. They were making oil deals with the Colombians. They were making oil deals uh, to, to do more exploration off the coast of Mozambique. And so when they talk about transitioning away from fossil fuels, what people need to recognize is this only applies to what used to be known as Christendom. It, it's Western Europe, uh, Northern Europe, the United States, supposedly weaned off of oil the, the, every single week. Uh, their CO2, and you know, I don't begrudge them their CO2 emissions. I mean, the, the world is starving for more CO2. Let them put as much CO2 as they want in the atmosphere. But they produce more CO2 um, than all of the Western world combined by hundreds of percent, depending on whose numbers you look at, 200% or 300% more than the United States, Canada, Europe, Japan, South Korea, all combined, Australia, New Zealand, right? So, so the idea that we're going to shut down the power grid in the Western world, we're going to shut down our factories and ship it all to China, and that's going to save the climate, is that the people at the top of the pyramid here know very well that this whole thing is a, is a giant scam. Uh, if they truly yeah. believed that CO2 was bad for the planet, the worst thing they could do is shut down energy in the West and ship all that production to communist China, where every unit of economic production would produce radically more CO2 in the atmosphere. So that was big takeaway number one. Big takeaway number two is how they are sucking in the religions of the world into this jihad against what used to be known as Christendom. Uh, they actually had for the first time ever a faith pavilion there. And at the faith, the Pope was actually supposed to open the faith pavilion and they strategically placed it at the heart of the climate summit. That's what they said. It was right smack in the middle. And so the Pope was supposed to open it. He got sick and had to send uh, the secretary of state for the Vatican. But, um, it actually solidified in my mind what became very, very apparent at the COP27 the year before I was in Egypt. They held it on the Sinai Peninsula, and uh, I may have shared this with Action for Canada. They, they did this big climate repentance ceremony at the top of Mount Sinai, or what they say is Mount Sinai. They unveiled the new Ten Commandments. They announced that the, the moral structures and ethical systems that had evolved with humanity over the last few thousand years, by which they meant, of course, the Mosaic Law, the Ten Commandments, that those were no longer adequate for the world that we live in today and that we needed a new system of morality. So they gave us a new Ten Commandments. Now, at this faith pavilion at the COP28, when you look at what the Pope had to say when they inaugurated this, that message came through loud and clear. He actually said that your environmental um, damage that you're producing, by which he means your CO2 emissions, is an offense against God, is the term he used. Now, frankly, I don't believe that my God and my Creator designed me to exhale something that was an offense against him, right? Every one of us exhales about two pounds of CO2 every single day. The idea that that is offensive to God is absolutely preposterous, right? God told us to be fruitful and multiply. He didn't tell us to worry about our CO2 emissions, but they now have this global religious coalition. Um, it, it's headed up by a group called Religions for Peace, which is funded by Soros, Rockefellers, the U.S. taxpayer, the United Nations, and a whole bunch of obscure foundations involved in the occult. And the head of this organization, now her name is uh, Dr. Uh, Raza, um, uh, Raza Karam, I think it is. And before taking over this Religions for Peace organization, she was at the UN Population Fund, literally the UN organization dedicated to reducing the number of people on this planet. And I've got her on camera saying publicly that this Religions for Peace is the UN of religions. She says, 
all religions in the world are part of this coalition. All faith traditions in the world uh, must be a part of this. And that one of their central focuses is now implementing the UN Agenda 2030, which climate change is kind of the the main pretext for this, if you will. So those for me were the big takeaways. Um, They also kind of, uh, I'll, I'll give one more takeaway, Tanya, and then I'll kick it back to you, because this was, again, really significant. And I think it'll be interesting to the people of Canada. One of the main messages uh, to come out of there was that this is now unstoppable. And so all over the place at this UN conference, they had 83 something thousand people there. All over this conference, they had these huge electronic billboards that said on them, the transformation is unstoppable. That, that's a direct quote from what the UN had on all these big giant screens all over the place. Uh, they asked John Kerry, who uh, was climbing and says, my speech has been interfered with and slowed down. Okay, let, um, let me wrap up this point yeah, and then it, I'll see if I can work on something. Yeah, throughout we've had a bit of, there's a little bit of uh, a problem with your connection, Alex. Okay, let me see. The internet connection. Is there yeah, a... Let me, see um, if I, let me see if I can switch over to another. Okay, I didn't want to inter- interrupt you, but we do want to hear what you're saying because I'm fascinated by it. Uh, just while you're looking at that, a couple of years ago, uh, we lost uh, some of our chapters over this, but uh, the New Age was really rising up in Canada, and a lot of people in the New Age had uh, was part of Action for Canada had had joined us. And as soon as I really started talking about uh, faith and religion uh, and the one world religion, the one world order, it seemed to, uh, you know, offend uh, people. But now more and more, I hope they see two years ago, I've always been on the cutting edge in Canada and saying something, people pick up an offense, but after time they see I was right. Like this one world order and a one world religion go hand in hand. And and here COP28 has to do with uh, environmental issues for those people that don't know that. And so that's why Alex is talking about this. As we said in the invite, we wanted to cover a few of these issues because I don't know anyone as well versed as you, Alex. And I really, really encourage people to follow the work that you're doing. And and so this is, uh, we've always said, even with COVID, this is a spiritual battle of epic proportions because never in, in our history have we seen this kind of evil on such a grand scale. And then just one more bit of information. You were saying it was in the United Arab Emirates. And it's interesting that a third of the UN is Sharia compliant, that they hold a heavy, uh, you know, uh, division of the UN in the decisions that are made. So none of this is a surprise. That's right, Tanya. And I'm glad you mentioned that. And, you know, what was really obvious to me is that the Islamic governments of the world, the communist governments of the world, and the socialist governments of the world are, are very, very active in this process, not because they have anything against fossil fuels, right? They, they they know at the highest levels that this has nothing to do with oil or coal. This has to do with rearranging the geopolitical order. What we're watching here is the emergence of what the, these globalists have called for, for well over a decade publicly, the emergence of a multipolar world order, where powers shifted away from what used to be known as Christendom or the free world, and it's going to be transferred over to Moscow, to Beijing, to Riyadh and Saudi Arabia. 
right? And so that's what we're watching here. And of course, the emergence of these regional governments, which are playing a, a more and more prominent role in these summits, right? You have the head of the EU will speak, and then the head of the Eurasian Union will speak, and then the head of the African Union will speak, as if uh, you know these were legitimate entities. So, uh, so this was very, very clear. And can you, can you hear me a little bit better, Tanya? Is it coming through better? Yes, yes. Excellent. All right. So I, I'll pick up where I was on the uh, the transition is unstoppable subject. Um, and, and I did cover these subjects extensively for the folks who are interested in going into more depth. I wrote a series of articles for The New American on that. I wrote on them in the Epic Times, and it's also covered at my website, libertysentinel.org. People can get into the details if they want. But this transformation unstoppable uh, idea. And, and catchphrase that they were using. This was obvious throughout, right? So they asked John Kerry, he was up on stage with a reporter for Bloomberg. Uh, and he said, you know, Donald Trump is very likely the, the next president of the United States. And he called this whole global warming thing, you know, giant hoax by the Chinese. Um, you know, how are you, you know, saying these things when, when the United States may not be involved uh, within the next couple of years here? And John Kerry said, it's just in very plain language, this is unstoppable. Nobody can stop this now, not even Donald Trump. Uh, and, and that's the same thing. Uh, we had a, a delegation of seven U.S. senators there. The Senate is you know, our upper house. I think you guys have something similar in Canada. So we had a delegation of seven senators purporting to represent the uh, the U.S. Senate at this conference. And they had a press conference. And, and I was able to ask a question. I, I confronted each of them later individually, and we put those videos out. But I asked them during the press conference. I said, look. The latest polling data shows the overwhelming majority of Americans don't even believe this hypothesis that human emissions of CO2 are causing dangerous climate change. Uh, and that's the overwhelming majority of Americans. So uh, plus you have Donald Trump is very likely going to be the next president of the United States. How are you U.S. senators here making all these commitments? I mean, they're, they're running around like, you know, Santa Claus on crystal meth, you know, billions here, billions there. We're going to billions more here if there's no end of the money that they have. And so I asked him, how are you making these commitments when the, pre the next president of the United States, very likely the next president of the United States, says it's all a fraud and your own voters don't believe you? And the answer that we got, and, and people can go back and watch this video, uh, Senator Cardin, who led delegation, kicked the uh, the question over to uh, Senator Chris Coons, who represents the state of Delaware in the Senate, this Biden state. And after some blah, blah, blah about how terrible Trump was, he said, basically, we are going to continue making progress here regardless of what happens with the next election. In other words, it doesn't matter what the American people think anymore. And he, he got into some of the details. He said, uh, you know, during the this was really interesting. We passed the biggest climate bill of all time. It was called the Inflation Reduction Act. <laughs> that tells you how proud they are of their climate <laughs> shenanigans. They have to hide it in an Inflation Reduction Act. And um, they said, we passed this Inflation Reduction Act, and we're using that now to send billions of dollars to Republican states. And so they're not going to be able to work their way out of this, no matter what happens with the politics. So all I could think of as as I'm hearing these senators, as I'm hearing John Kerry, as I'm seeing these giant transformation is unstoppable billboards is, you know, first of all, the scriptures, right? Pride goes before the fall. These people who think they're unstoppable, they have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, and, and then I was thinking about the Titanic, right? Uh, before the Titanic <laughs> set sail, this is unsinkable. Nobody can stop it. God himself cannot stop this ship. And of course, uh, we know what happened to that ship. It ended up at the bottom of the sea. So I, I think their hubris and their egos have, have gotten a little bit too large 
for their britches. Uh, we'll, we'll, of course, leave that in God's hand and sort out. But uh, they, they very much are putting out the messaging that nobody, including the people who they purport to represent, will be able to stop this. So those are my big takeaways. And there's more, but that gives you kind of a, a summary of what I observed there. And, and really the stories that the media was missing. Uh, one more, Tanya, and then I'll promise I'll okay. stop. Uh, the <laughs> IPCC. So the, the UN IPCC, this is the, you know, the, the premier UN climate science body. And they never want to talk to me for some reason. I, I always ask them for the opportunity to get an interview. They never want to talk to me. Uh, I wonder why. And um, they, they actually, they had several of their top people, including the vice chair of the IPCC, come out and publicly say, it's not enough now for us to just look at the science and, and give scientific uh, analysis and, and observations and recommendations. We want to now, they said, prescribe the policies that the world needs to implement to stop this alleged climate crisis. Uh, and of course, nobody votes for the UN IPCC. In fact, I've, I've interviewed multiple members of the UN IPCC over the years who've said this whole thing is a fraud, right? that, that, that the IPCC is lying. I, I interviewed their C-level reviewer, Dr. Neil zaksen Morton. He said that the, the idea that the world is going to have this catastrophic C-level rise is preposterous. So they're saying now, uh, and this came out in the media, you know, forget the voters, forget the governments. They actually expressed the opposition to the idea that governments should be able to set these policies. They say, we will prescribe the policy. And then they said they want the authority to oversee the implementation of the policy. And when you you know, get rid of all the fancy rhetoric. What we're talking about here is a scientific dictatorship. Imagine what they did during COVID applied to climate change. And, and this this analogy was made over and over again by these exact people. They say, you know, climate change is a public health crisis is what the head of the World uh, Health Organization said. And so the same kind of policy responses that we use to deal with COVID, we're going to have to use to deal with this climate crisis, including lockdowns, including restrictions on where you can go, what you can do, who you can see, what you can buy, etc. So this is coming very, very rapidly. They've got the businesses of the world involved, the religions of the world involved, and of course, the governments of the world involved through the UN. And, and I'll leave it at that, Tanya, unless you have any questions about those things. Well, yeah, no, I, I really wanted people that um, haven't heard of you before, Alex, to get to know you and to follow you. And like I say, sign up with LibertySentinel.org with Alex, because he honestly gives the best reporting on world events as well as what's going on in the U.S. And unlike anything you hear from other independent reporters and, of course, from mainstream media. And uh, so let's kind of shift from this because, you know, we're talking about this global agenda, Trudeau, Biden, I keep saying the House so COVID is falling and it's got to catch up to them. I, I mean, you know, liars and, and cheaters never prosper. Uh, they're going down because the light always trumps darkness and good always overcomes evil. And I just want to keep give people, you know, that encouragement. But of course, the U.S. and Canada and other Western nations had turned their back on God. And, uh, you know, we've taken God out of uh, school and our government and society at large. And so God's being very gracious. And uh, when that happens, you know, he, he gives us an opportunity, but it usually comes with a bit of pain and discomfort to get us back and understanding, uh, you know, that all of these false gods out there, the false gods of secularism even, and uh, other so-called religions are, are not the, the way that's going to move us forward in freedom and democracy. And that's being shown and proven right now. So we are in the battle for our lives in the Western world, and you have again declared that this is a battle against the West, even with oil. 
I mean, we have our own natural, enough natural resources and abundance of them in Canada to uh, take care of all of our needs. And uh, as you said, the negotiations with China, well, what is China doing? They've got the largest coal plants and building more all of the time. And, you know, the plants for our batteries are doing more harm than the earth. Any reasonable person with a bit of common sense can see that this is a big fraud, wealth transfer, you know, global government wanting power. Now, let's talk about our borders for just a moment, and then I want to get to our children in your book. And I was really interested in seeing what was going on in the U.S. borders with Texas. I would just love to hug the governor. (laughs) And, you know, what he's doing is we've been calling on men in authority to stand up, and, of course, women in authority as well. But to see this warrior man, the governor, taking his constitutionally protected rights and applying them regardless of the tyrant and the traitor sitting as the president of the United States right now. So do you have any any more information on that? For anybody, I have um, on my weekly update, which is prior to the Empower Hour, you can get that link in the uh, Rumble description below after we've posted this. And I gave an update on some of the issues that uh, Alex and I are discussing with some links to some um uh, news reports. So Alex, go ahead. What do you have to say about what's going on in the U.S. border? Yeah, I was very pleased, like you, to see the governor of Texas stand up and say, no, we're, we're not going to be uh, dismantling the things that we have done to protect our border. And in fact, if you read our Constitution, every state has the right to resist and repel an invasion. And what is going on here, you know, for, for the people who still don't understand it, this is an invasion. In fact, a friend of mine yes. just yesterday called me, was at the airport in Phoenix, and um, some migrant who just had a, a fresh cell phone that the government gave him and new identity papers that the government had given, asked, uh, hey, are you ready for the war? Right. And so what we're watching, and this has come out in congressional hearings. Uh, we, we had the the uh, on Homeland Security, the chair actually talked about how a lot of these young Chinese men who are coming across the border, they know, right, and this isn't speculation, they know that these are men who serve with the People's Liberation Army, Communist China's military. A lot of them are special forces. They're coming over here with very high-level training in explosives, in weapons, in sabotage, in assassination. Uh, They've got blueprints for water treatment facilities, for sewage treatment facilities, for critical infrastructure, for the power grid. And so what's happening right now is is an army is being assembled inside the United States of America. And I'm quite sure the same thing is happening in Canada. Canada. So that when the order is given... Um, you will see absolutely unthinkable things. You'll see power go out in big areas. You'll see water treatment go out in big areas. You'll see uh, targeted assassination attempts on leaders who may be uh, willing to resist this. And of course, the, at the highest levels of our government, we have a fifth column that is openly supporting this. Now, the, the Congress has already shared the smoking gun evidence that the Biden family is literally on the payroll of the CCP. That Again, that's not speculation. The bank records are out there. They've been receiving enormous sums of money, not just from the CCP, but also from Ukrainian oligarchs, from Russian oligarchs. The amount of illegal money that's flowing into this is unfathomable. Uh, and so you talk to a lot of the, and I've interviewed a lot of these people publicly, uh, you know, the, the former head of Customs and Border Protection Agency that deals with the borders. Uh, I interviewed him uh, last year. Uh, great guy, Mark Morgan, uh, interviewed uh, Tom Homan, who was the head of ICE, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement last year. Both really, really great guys. But I asked them, you know, what is really going on here? And they said, well, we, we think there are more Democrats, right? Because uh, as more Democrats wake up and leave the Democrat Party, they need voters. And I think there's an element to that, right? You have different 
special interest groups that don't see the big picture. You know, you've got the the big businesses thinking, oh, this would be great. We'll pay them lower wages. And, you know, that way we'll keep wages depressed. We'll make more profits. So you've got a lot of the big businesses on board. You like school establishment on board because families are fleeing the school system. Schools get their funding based on how many butts they've got in the seats. They know that, you know, their funding is going to dry up if they don't find new butts to put in those seats. So yeah, open up the border. Let's bring in, uh, you know, the whole world so that we can keep our funding levels steady. So you've got all these special interest groups lined up that have their own agenda behind supporting the open borders. But ultimately, this is much bigger than just school funding. It's much bigger than just bringing in new Democrats to replace the people leaving the Democrat Party. What we're watching here is actually an invasion. And so what the governor of Texas has done here is said, we as a state have the right, and again, this is enshrined in the U.S. Constitution, to resist an invasion. And that's what they're doing. And it's about time somebody does this. You know, for for way too long, Americans have lived under this delusion that anything the Supreme Court says is the supreme law of the land. And and that's what they actually say, that when the Supreme Court rules, that's the supreme law of the land. That is not true. Right. The supreme law of the land in the United States of America is the Constitution. The, and, and of course, biblical law is above even that, as all of our founding fathers explained very, very clearly in their writings. But so the, the supreme civil law in the United States of America is the U.S. Constitution. The U.S. Constitution never says that the Supreme Court is the final arbiter on the meaning of the Constitution or anything else, right? To to believe that is to say, well, we live under an oligarchy. Whatever five guys in black robes say, that's going to be uh, the what rules and reigns over the United States. And that is simply intolerable. We should have done this when they said that they, that they found in the penumbras of the Constitution a right to massacre your babies, right? The states should have said, that's insane. Who do you think you are? You cannot legalize the murder of babies. Anybody who murders a baby in this state is going to go to jail tomorrow, just like they were going to go to jail yesterday before you issued this ludicrous opinion. And so kudos to the governor of Texas. We need many, many more governors to stand yeah. up and say, you know, we're done uh, obeying suicidal anti-constitutional rulings that will destroy our country. And so a battle is being set up now. We'll see. You know, Biden has already started ignoring the Supreme Court. He ruled that they that they couldn't forgive all the student loan debt. They did it anyway. Right. And so uh, it's about time that Republicans in governor's offices and other positions of authority, sheriffs, county commissioners, et cetera, say, no, we, we have an obligation, first of all, to God, second of all, to our constituents. You know, we, we take an oath to the U.S. Constitution for state constitutions, for state officials, not to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the U.S. Constitution requires certain things. So kudos to Governor Abbott. Uh, kudos to uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton there, who's offering legal advice. Uh, these are some very, very uh, honorable and courageous individuals. They ought to be applauded. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's awesome. And uh, it gives me hope. You know, California is such a mess that uh, all the good people are fleeing <laughs> and, and, you know, moving into Texas and either that or Florida and, and other nations that are overturning, you know, the medical mutilation of children and uh, the what is it, comprehensive sexuality, education, abortion, and all these other things. So good things are happening in the U.S. They're percolating. Um, I feel very hopeful by seeing this. I know in Canada, I, I have used the term invasion many, many times, and we're taking steps to put a moratorium in place uh, to deny that Palestinian uh, refugees should be accepted at this point. It's coming. It, it's posing a great risk to Canadians. And uh, what we need to do is we have been so brainwashed for so long to think that, you know, we, we have to be these nice Canadians, that we have to be tolerant and accept everything. 
And now we need to draw a line in the sand and say, look, this is our country. We have a right to our sovereignty. You as an immigrant coming to Canada, you must learn the language. You must integrate and assimilate, period. End of it. Um, I don't care if that hurts your feelings. I don't care if you feel like that's a racist comment because it has nothing to do with the color of anybody's skin. Canada has been a very opening and welcoming nation, but previously people were expected to integrate, assimilate, and learn the language. And I always give the example of my mom, her four brothers, and my grandma coming from the Netherlands. And uh, they were learning English before they came, but they spoke English out in public. My mom always mentions that. And I say, mom, why'd you do it? And she says, out of respect, we were so grateful to be here in Canada. So I'm calling on on the wonderful immigrants that have entered Canada, that if you want this still to be a beacon of hope and be the democracy that you moved here to be part of, then you need to realize uh, that you are either going to be a part of the problem or about the part of the solution and maintaining that. And so this is an appeal for your help. And don't listen to what the government is saying about dividing us with all this critical race theory and white privilege and the rest of it. We've worked hard. We've worked hard as uh, Christians in the West to develop a nation that now you're coming into and reaping the benefits of. And we're not going to sit here and be kicked in the teeth uh, while people criticize us for it, right? Uh, so we got to be bold and uh, we've got to unite with the, all the right people who understand what the true battle is about. <laughs> okay. So let's move to your book. I mean, I first want people, I know somebody had already put it in the chat that they have your book, The Deep State. Highly recommend that you purchase um, 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 Alex's book, The Deep State. It's absolutely amazing. He says, it says here, the invisible government behind the scenes. Uh, Alex as well has been on the cutting edge of all of this and exposing it for, for many, many years. And then the crimes of the educators. And now, of course, uh, your newest book. Do you have that available, Terenzio, to bring up before we get to it? Oh, okay. Oh, how utopians are using government schools to destroy America's children. That's Crimes of the Educators, but the newest one. I did check I yesterday. Wanted- that is available on Amazon Canada. Uh, it's called Indoctrinating Our Children to Death, How Government Schools Are Waging War on Faith, Family, yes. and Freedom, and How to Stop It. And uh, I did check. Uh, that is available on Amazon Canada for the people who uh, would rather do that than pay outrageous shipping for me to send it from the United States. So. <laughs> okay, yeah, because when I posted it in the action, it was still to pre-order. So I was going to ask you when the book was going to be available. So, all right, well, whenever Terenzio gets that uh, link up, I do want to bring the page up. Oh, uh, don't have it. I do have it on, just look it up on the Amazon page. If somebody can provide me the link, please, we did have it. Okay, so tell me about your book. So uh, this was uh, the product of about 10 years worth of research, and I believe, and and we've talked briefly about this before, Tanya, I believe this is the most important issue that is facing West, that is facing our families, that is facing Canada, the United States, all the Western world. Uh, I believe we made a catastrophic mistake when we decided to trust the government with the education of our children. That's an unbiblical notion. What I do, uh, how I start the book is... um, I show the history of the public school movement and the public school system. Now, I focus, of course, on the United States, but this is where this this horrific idea emerged from in the first place. And what is so obvious and so apparent when you start digging into this is that all of the people involved, right, all of the key players 
in creating this system, rejected God, rejected the Bible, rejected the principles that God teaches in his word about family, about property, about liberty, etc., and wanted to use this system that they wanted to build for the purpose of weaponizing and indoctrinating children for the purpose of fundamentally transforming our societies. And again, the, the primary source documents on this are crystal clear. We quote them extensively. We've got an extensive bibliography for people who want to find them themselves. Uh, but this is really important for people to understand because there's a, a very dangerous myth. Uh, and I know, I know a lot of well-meaning conservatives and a lot of well-meaning Christians have, have bought into this idea that there was some golden era of government schools and somehow something went wrong and now we have a problem. What I prove in the book, I, I believe absolutely conclusively beyond a shadow of a doubt, is that this was always the plan, right? And, and I mean, they couldn't come out and openly announce everybody that, hey, we're going to get the Bible out. We're going to brainwash your kids and turn them all into communists. So they had to do it quietly and step by step. But the evidence is overwhelming. They always planned to do this. And so what I do in the book is I show this history. I show what's happening today in terms of the manipulation, the emotional learning, the data gathering uh, that's happening. You Obviously, across uh, government schools, not just in the United States, but in Canada, Europe, uh, China, et cetera, uh, I show the globalization of the public school system, right? We're, we're now watching the emergence of a UN-led global education system. And, and they're not shy about this. Right? You won't read about it probably in your local newspaper. They're probably not going to tell you about it on CBC. But the UN is now a major role in setting standards, coming up with global curricula, and they're openly telling you. Right. This is not me translating. They're openly telling you they're training your children for global citizenship. Uh, in fact, they have a world core curriculum. The guy who wrote it says it's based on the teachings of Alice Bailey, who was the founder of the Lucifer Publishing Company, and her uh, really obviously a demon. She claimed to be communicating with an ascended master called uh, the Tibetan Juval. Uh, so they're telling you. That they're basing the world education system on the writings of a lady who believed Lucifer was the good guy, right? And if, and if you read Bailey, uh, she basically takes the biblical story and flips it upside down. So the the snake, Lucifer, was, uh, Satan, was the good one who was freeing humanity from this evil, uh, oppressive God. Right? So they take the biblical story, they flip it upside down. It, it is Satanism at its core. And they're preparing children for this. Right. And, and you don't have to like go into the smoky rooms to find this stuff. We've got the primary source documents proving it's what's going on. And I conclude the book with a couple of chapters on, you know, what do we need to do here? So I, get, I give the metaphor, the analogy. You know, the schools are like a burning building. Your children are inside. You must get them out. And then I conclude with uh, an afterword. And, and I, I believe this may be the most important part of the book. I may have to do a follow-up book just sketching this in more detail. So, you know, you're running from the burning building that is the public school system. You've rescued your children now from that. Now, what are we? what is it we're going toward? And so what I what I do in this chapter is, you know, here's what the Bible says about education. Uh, and I argue that we need to rethink this whole thing from the very beginning. Right. Like, what is the purpose of education to the world? What is the purpose of education? Well, to turn your kids into successful citizens in their society, to, to help them get a good job, to get them into a good college. Well, for a Christian, is that really the purpose of education? And the answer, of course, if you go to your Bible, is no, that's not the purpose of education. Uh, now, some of those things will be side effects of a true and legitimate education, but that's not the purpose of education. Right? Not so you can get a nice car and get a good job and get into a good college. So I, I sketch out 
a vision of what a true, genuine, legitimate education looks like. I give uh, just anecdotes from you know the education that existed in the United States and even before we became the United States. How were people educated? Of course, the Bible was the primary textbook for centuries in this country, even before we were a country. And so that that's basically the gist of it. You know, here, here's what they're doing to our kids. Here's the history of it. Here's where it's going. Here's what we as Christians ought to be doing about it. If we truly value our children, if we truly value what God teaches and and really commands in the Bible, so uh, that's the essence of the book, right there, Tanya. Yeah, that's wonderful. I was at an event that my church actually put on on Saturday. Um, I was one of the speakers briefly, but Bruce Friesen was there. He had uh, a number of your books available. People were purchasing them. And the whole reason for the event was to talk about independent education, non-government funded education. And our church is looking at um, uh, developing a school without government funding. And more and more you're hearing about this and it's so exciting. And yeah, so... I, I guess one of the things that uh, one of the special speakers said, I can't remember if it was Bruce or not, is that it talks very clearly in the Bible that it says, fathers, raise up your children. And it's very specific to say fathers must play an active role in the education of their children. And then they joke to say, you know, it, it's about mothers because mothers didn't need to be told they're automatically doing it. <laughs> We're automatically, you know, right in there teaching and raising our children. It's ex- instinctive. It comes naturally to us. But specifically, fathers needed that nudge to say, re- be a participate in the education of your children. And I really like that. Yeah. And I think that's crit- critical. You know, there, there are several verses that deal with that. If you go to Ephesians uh, chapter six, verse four, I believe it is, it does say in, in those words, you know, fathers, um, uh, you know, don't provoke your children to anger. It starts with, and then it says, but raise them up in the fear and discipline, or depending on what translation you use, uh, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so that's a really good guide as to what an education looks like. Right now, God, God isn't super specific. We have a lot of liberty in terms of how we teach our children, the pedagogy, the curriculum, who we delegate authority. We have a lot of freedom that God gives us. He, he doesn't prescribe, you know, 25 hours of science credits and 13 hours of math credits have a well-rounded education, but he gives us the basics, right? And one of the clear things for fathers, you're supposed to bring up your children in the admonition and the discipline of the Lord. Another thing that's very clear, then um, it's actually cited twice in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Deuteronomy chapter 11. It, it says that parents need to be teaching their children about God and his laws and his word when they wake up in the morning, when they walk by the way, when sitting down to eat, when they're going to bed at night. This, this is like an all-day, all all year process. Right? It's not like, hey, we're going to send them to the government for, for five days a week and then Sunday school is going to unbrainwash them. I mean, no, right? Education is something that parents are supposed to be doing for their children. And that doesn't mean that we can't delegate some some of that authority. We can't delegate the responsibility, right? When we meet God, you, mom and dad, are going to be the ones who are accountable and responsible for the education your children received. And and one thing that I think is really important to emphasize here is that education and discipleship are intimately intertwined, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the Bible orders us. I mean, the, the Great Commission, right? You're supposed to go out and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all the things that God has commanded us. And the church in the West 
has said, well, you know, that means we're going to send a, a missionary to Zimbabwe or to Laos or to Brazil or whatever, right? Uh, and, and those are all good things. We, we should be sending missionaries. And historically, the United States, Canada, you know, Sweden, these are countries that have sent missionaries to every corner of the world. Uh, and, and praise the Lord for that, right? Taking the gospel to people who otherwise would not have it. But our first ministry is to our children. You can't tell me you're going to make disciples in another country when we're losing 80 to 90% of our own children, which in the United States is about how many we're losing. As they go through the government schools, they're being systematically indoctrinated to hate God or to reject God, to reject their parents. And so first things first, folks, we've got to deal with our first ministry. That is our children. Once we've got that under control, then we can worry about discipling the rest of the nations. But really, it begins in our home. It begins with our families. I think all those nations are sending uh, some missionaries to Canada and the U.S. right now, actually. I know. Right? We, we need it, that, right? We Table, need them. We, tables have turned. But um, one of the things that came up uh, recently for myself is somebody was critical of me uh, you know, saying as if you had shoved religion down your kids' throats or something. And I was just like, well, I went to church on Sunday morning, you know, before school, we'd read a little bit of the Bible. We loved our books that we read together anyways. And as you said, you quoted the scripture that says to talk about it from the time you get up and, and to talk about it is instilling all of those qualities of uh, honesty and integrity. And, and, uh, anyway, so, you know, to compare, what we're doing to some sort of cult when it's like, well, how do you like the cult of transhumanism? How do you like, you know, ours doesn't lead to kids being mutilated and uh, their minds destroyed and them so confused they can't even function. And so in the reality, again, the spiritual battle over education is really what we're witnessing because as I said, and the term is like Lenin said something like, give me your four-year-old and, you know, that they'll control the future. And that's exactly it, is the mind of a child is, is uh, you know, so meaningful, like you're just developing it in all those stages. And you take advantage of that, and you can pump out Marxist little soldiers, like what they're doing in Canada, the U.S., and Western states. That's what this is about, because you can change a whole future generation and uh, the foundation of a, a country. That's This is this battle over, that's how severe it is. And we were gifted by our founding fathers with a Judeo-Christian base that was built on biblical principles. And I'm telling you, I keep appealing to non-Christian people and immigrants. I mean, my goodness, how can you not realistically take a look at what's going on and not choose to embrace the principles by which we were having great success in raising good human beings? Yeah. And, and what, what you're saying right now, Tanya, is so important for people to understand. I, I start many of my talks on many different subjects with some really critical truths that Jesus Christ shared with us. He's quoted twice in the Gospels, once in Luke and once in Matthew, saying, whoever is not with me is against me. So you know, when somebody says, oh, you're, you're brainwashing your children to be Christian, look, there, there's only two options. You're either going to be with Christ or without Christ, against Christ, anti-Christ. So it's one of those two. Now, if you look at the history of the world, Antichrist education always produces the same thing. Human sacrifice, savagery, slavery, rape, uh, you know, all these things that, that even non-Christians today kind of take for granted are not a thing, right? Uh, but that is true now. It has always been true. Uh, it's true in all different parts of the world. Um, you know, I, I often point to Scandinavia. I lived in, in Scandinavia for many years. My wife is from Sweden. And um, you know, before the gospel arrived in Scandinavia, 
these pagans were sacrificing their children to demons. They were eating each other. They were raping and pillaging any place that they could find to steal resources, steal women, steal slaves, steal food, whatever it is. And yet when the gospel of Jesus Christ came, when the Bible arrived in Sweden, what happened? Uh, these savages became civilized people uh, and they settled down and they started uh, respecting basic principles that God has shared with us. Like all people are created in the image of God. Uh, thou shalt not murder. Right? Well, imagine that. Uh, and yet, if you look through all of human history, all around the world, all of these pagan religions are essentially slight variations on the same satanic lines. You know, they have different names for their deities. You know, the Scandinavians call them Tor and Odin and whatever. Uh, but, you know, there's similar deities all over the world. The Greeks had them. The Romans had them. The Hindus have them in India. Uh, the, the pagan Aztecs had them. And everywhere you go, what do you see? Human sacrifice, slavery, massacres, genocide. Is that what we want? There's only two options, folks. It's either with Christ or against Christ. And so as parents, if we claim Christ and yet we don't want to share that truth, those, those credible values and that incredible faith, that incredible gift with our children, are we really Christians? Can we really say we're Christians? I, I would submit mm -hmm. to you that if you don't want to pass that down to the next generation, first of all, you're disobeying the commands of God. Second of all, you must not truly understand what is at stake here. We're talking, first of all, about the eternal souls of your children. Now, homeschooling and Christian education won't save your children, right? Jesus Christ is the one who saves your children. But God told us this is how we are to raise. So I'll just carry on and... Uh respond to what Alex was saying in the way of raising a child up in the way they should go. And he was naming all kinds of different other cultures, whether Sikh, Hinduism, Islam, uh, Buddhism. If you go to any of the nations that have founded their judicial system, their government system, everything else on 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 th that type of political system, you will see that all of those countries are uh, led by tyrants. The citizens are living in oppression and the crime rate is unbelievable. The only places prior to the invasion that we're experiencing was the West. Sorry, we had lost you for a minute, Alex. So I was just responding to what you were saying about different cultures and their teachings. And I often give the example of you, you look at Pakistan, uh, North Korea, China, 56 Islamic majority countries. I mean, there is just no way. And I don't know why people, well, it's because of the government, you know, blasting people saying it is racist to say it or intolerant or hateful, or that we should respect all other religions, but all other religions are false religions. So why would we, what service are we doing by respecting other religions rather than shouting from the mountaintop, you're following false gods, which a uh, false religion is founded on the devil himself. And you can That's see right. it the way that it comes up throughout their society. I was watching a bit of a documentary last night in Pakistan, and they were talking about Birmingham, uh, I believe in the UK. And what was happening is they're flooded with Pakistani people, and they didn't realize that they intermarry. And, and so they're marrying first cousins and their kids on mass are disabled. And I was just shocked. And then all of the cost of that is coming onto the government and the taxpayers and the Pakistani people themselves didn't know it was wrong. And so they've got children that uh, cannot physically function, are blind, are deaf. 
it's an impossible, heartbreaking situation to see these parents going through this. And and so when you don't raise them in the way they go, if we're not imparting the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding into them, which Proverbs says is better than gold and jewels, then we are set for the same destiny as these false religions and the way that they're functioning. And so this is why I, I keep saying it is not hateful to talk about these other cultures. You've got to remember that my God, our God, does not know the color of your skin. He cares about the condition of your heart. And in the Philippines and in, in uh, Islamic nations and in China, there are Christians there. It's not about that. This is a spiritual battle for the hearts and minds of our kids. So choose this day whom you're going to serve and how you're going to raise your kids. And are you willing to get in this fight with us? Uh, to bring prayer back into school and to bring biblical teaching. I mean, we want to exit the public school system, but there's a lot of parents that can't, can't. So we are focusing on remove your kids, remove your kids, remove your kids. We've got the homeschooling revolution here in Canada with Action for Canada. You've got public school exit in the United States. And these are very successful, but those single moms or those single parents who could do more in two hours teaching their kids at home, still may not have the support or resources to do that. And so that's why we're still fighting on the front line with the public education system to tear this down and and remove this because uh, it's harming our kids. And just before I hand it back to you, when I was at this event, I was heartbroken. It was on, on the one sense, it was really wonderful when I go to these events. This couple had come to know Christ through attending one of our Action for Canada meetings, but they want to uh, homeschool. They have two daughters, and the one is now identifying as a boy, and the other one is dating a boy that identifies as a girl. I mean, this is messed up, what they're doing to our kids. And if you can't see that and see that maybe Alex and I are onto something, uh, you know, about a good foundation based on biblical principles, some people need to give their head a shake because this is, it is, it is downward decline and we're fighting like crazy to remove this from our school systems so yeah alex back to you on that yeah i I think there's so many important things that you just talked about tanya and and one is you know the apostle paul talked about these false deities as demons right the the apostle paul who was really the the model evangelist the greatest evangelist of all time uh, he was not shy about confronting pagans and telling them look you're worshiping demons you need to repent of that you need Mm -hmm. to get out of the darkness that you were in and come into the glorious light of christ um and and honestly if you love people that's what you will share with them right you don't want them to be in ignorance you don't want them to be in darkness And, and more importantly you don't want them to go to hell for all eternity. So so anyone who truly loves other people, which we are commanded, even those who persecute us, those who hate us, those who murder us, we're commanded to love them and pray for them. We must share the truth with them. How hateful it would be to not tell them the truth. You know, use an analogy. You see somebody on a train track and a train is about to blow them away. Um, The hateful thing would be not to tell them that they're standing on a train track and a train is about to hit them. The loving thing, even though it might be uncomfortable for that person, is to point out that, hey, you're in great danger. You need to step Mm -hmm. off of those train tracks and come over here to where it's safe. So that much is clear. As far as, you know, what's going on in the government schools, I agree with you wholeheartedly. These are our tax dollars that are being used to harm 
children. It's unconscionable. And so I always tell people, after you have safely removed your children from this wicked, godless, pagan system, then we need to think about the other children who are being harmed by this system. What kind of people would we be if we said, oh, yeah, millions of children uh, being brainwashed to believe absolute absurdities, things things that actually will produce uh, incredible Mm -hmm. atrocities if they continue moving forward? Uh, How hateful and how terrible would we be if we didn't try to stop that? So once people have protected their own children, I encourage them to to get involved in in school boards, to run for political office. I mean, anything we can do to stop this atrocity being perpetrated against children is critical to do. And, uh, you know, one of the other things that we do at Public School Eggs that we're we're trying to raise some funds. Actually, we're going to be having a big fundraiser at Mar-a-Lago in March. We want to have a a really significant war chest so that when single mothers come to, and we already do some of this, we just don't have the resources to help everybody who comes to us yet. But when we get a single mother who comes to us and says, look, I want to homeschool my children, but I'm working two jobs and I just can't afford it. We want to then be able to step in as the body of Christ and say, look, we, you know, we will help you with whatever you need, whether that's some money for, for extra curriculum or whatever. Uh, we think that's really, really important. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that's um, also just so our viewers know with Action for Canada who may be hearing this for the first time. I don't know, Terenzo, if you have the map handy. Sometimes we should have that ready. But the reason we're going uh, into every single town and community and putting chapters in is because we're building communities within communities of like-minded people who are going to um, be able to support and facilitate other individuals within their community. And then we're reaching out to the churches who are opening their doors. Thank you, Terenzio. That's what Action for Canada looks like nationwide. And then when we uh, align with the church, they give us a space where our chapters have their weekly meetings. And then next thing you know, there's homeschooling pods that are being developed. The church is growing because everybody loves the community and they're coming to church on Sunday. But then these homeschooling moms, like you say, those moms that want to homeschool, thank you, Terenzio, but just can't um, have a support network and a system. And we've even encouraged if you're five moms and you're all working, how about one of you take a day off and you take that group of kids, find a couple of other people who can, you know, support you. You can't have a whole horde of kids on your own and you need support. But then each of you have a gift and talents that you can also, um, you know, uh, provide to them, whether you're good in English, whether you're good in teaching math, whether you're good in uh, home ec. It all depends, but we all have something to give. And I think this is a really, like, as you always say, it's a 911 call to get our kids out of the uh, education system. And if we're really intent parents, you can make this work. You can find a way. And grandparents, we're calling on you. We're calling on you. Don't, you're not retired. You're only just beginning. <laughs> your kids need your help. Your grandkids need your help. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's just really amazing what's happening So, uh, okay. Well, I know that you had other commitments, Alex, as well uh, tonight, so I don't want to hold you up with that. But again, thank you for coming on. Trenzio, would you bring Alex's new book up one more time? And we'd like to promote this. I think we have the Amazon link now as well. And so get that title, right? Indoctrinating Our Children to Death, Government Schools, War on Faith, family and freedom and how to stop it. And uh, Alex, you've been on the front line of this with, if you want to also look up public school exit in the United States, you'll get an idea of what they're doing as well. So in closing, what are your, some final words there, Alex? 
Uh, well, I want to thank you so much for having me on the program, Tanya. Thank you and, and everybody at Action for Canada for what you guys are doing. Um, you know, they, they talk about America and Canada being uh, very close, and that's more than just rhetoric. It's true. And so, you know, we are praying for you guys. We, we appreciate so much of what you guys are doing to hold the line for God and the church and family and liberty. And, uh, you know, just keep up the great work. Uh, if there's any way I can be of service to what you guys are doing, obviously just uh, get in touch. But I do believe this battle uh, for education is the most critical battlefront in this broader war. If we lose all our children, we're going to lose all the other battles. So thank you, Tanya. Really appreciate you having me. God bless you all. And hopefully we'll talk again soon. Yeah, thank you, Alex. Yeah, any win in the United States or Canada is mutually benefit uh, beneficial to each one of us. And so really appreciate you. I, I consider you a brother, and I'm going to take you up on that. We're thinking of doing a tour, and I wouldn't mind having you come up to uh, a special event. So <laughs> I'd love to see you. Actually, you know what I'm going to ask you to do? Would you mind closing us off in prayer tonight? Would love to, yep. That'd be awesome. Um, Heavenly Father, we are so humbled to be adopted into your family. We're so grateful for all the blessings you provide to us every day, even the things that we don't even normally think about. The fact that we have food to eat, the fact that we have roofs over our head. Father, help us to be more thankful and more grateful. Father, help us to be bold in preaching the truth and sharing the gospel with every creature. Help us to understand your commands, especially as it relates to our children, our families. We know that um, your heart is for parents to be very, very active in the upbringing, the discipleship, and the education of the children. We know that you've entrusted us with this tremendous responsibility, bringing these young people into our homes, into our lives. And Father, we pray that you would help us to do an adequate job of that. We know we can't do it without your help, and so we beg for your assistance. We thank you uh, for everything that Action for Canada is doing. We ask uh, that you would continue to bless them, guide their steps, and use them to be a light in the darkness. Use them as your instruments for your purposes in Canada and uh, help all of us on this call, everybody who's listening to us afterward. Just be uh, dedicated and passionate about serving you, about advancing your kingdom, and about doing all that you have called us to do. We pray all these things in the name of our Lord, our Savior, our King, the King of all kings, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you. Bless you, brother. And I look Bless forward you to too, having sister. you on Thank again. You. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Oh, wow. That was wonderful. Uh, like I said, Alex Newman, he is such a wealth of knowledge and information. So please uh, make sure you sign up for LibertySentinel.org and get his uh, newsletters. I think they're just so important. All right. Our guest next week is going to be none other than Dr. McCullough. We're going to be talking about uh, treatments, corruption. Actually, we're going to include deaths and disease X. And I think it's going to be really, really important. I'm hearing about so many people who are getting those rapid, the rapid cancer, even unvaccinated people. I'm hearing one report after another. So we need to be on top of this. Um, we have a web uh, on our website under COVID-19. We have a selection of treatments. And one of them is to break down the spike proteins. That's what's reported by Dr. McCullough and the protocol that he suggests. So that is available. We would recommend anybody that's been jabbed, 
do your research, take a look at the page. If that's something that you want to get on that protocol, do so. Like I say, Dr. McCullough will be on the show next uh, week. And I'm really excited because Dr. Miriam Grossman will be coming on in the near future. Dr. Mackey's, it's going to be a really good lineup. So very, very grateful. Okay, so the Bible verses for tonight are from 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Does this all sound a little familiar? <laughs> Sometimes it feels like it is the end times, doesn't it? Or, it's, or we're on the verge of a revival. I don't know. But uh, we need to get our hearts right and our lives right. So um, then it says, uh, despisers of those that are good, traitors amongst us, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. And, and so I just, I love this verse. It's making a big, huge list there. And for us, we just need to turn away from this evil. And, uh, but Action for Canada at the same time can't completely turn away because we're exposing it. And we're shining a big, big, bright light on it in a hopes that others will know what they're looking at, what they're participating in, and also turn away. And so our final ver- verse is from, I love this verse, Ephesians 6, 11, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So in Ephesians, it says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and in high places in the heavenlies. And there's this war going on over us between good and evil. I mean, God has says throughout the Bible that we have angels fighting for us. And so he's telling us, that we need to put on the armor of God. And so it's the helmet of salvation. I'm so grateful for my salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. They were proclaiming that truth, the shoes of peace, and that we carry the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and the shield of faith. And so gird yourself up every day. I wake up, boy, and what is that when the devil knows you put your feet on the floor? He's scared. (laughs) Okay, because we're coming out as a force and uh, all of our leadership at Action for Canada is battling here on your behalf. So I just really thank you for spending time with us. Please, after you've watched this video, give us a thumbs up and then share it. And also, please remember to subscribe to our Rumble channel. All right. Thank you so much. See you next week. God bless you and God bless Canada.
Yeah.